Welcome to Stepping Toward Justice with me, Sarah A. Ford, a podcast where we'll explore what justice really looks like inside of a courtroom, outside in our communities, and where access to justice is lacking. We'll talk with advocates, survivors, and change makers working to make justice a reality for us all. We can't change what we don't understand or acknowledge, so let's take a step together towards justice. Well, we are back with an incredible woman who is a fierce, she's like a lioness with the work that she does. And I'm so proud of everything that she does here in South Carolina, but the State House and beyond. Welcome, Ashley Leto. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Excited to be here. I am so pumped. So you are the Director of Policy and Government Relations for the Women's Rights Empowerment Network, better known as REN. Yes, I am. Love doing that work. So simply put, I lobby the State House for gender justice. I love that. So tell me a little bit more. And I know lobbyists get a bad rep like because people are like, lobbying is terrible. But I'm like, it's not terrible. We need lobbyists. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, let's dispel the myths. Well, so a lot of the times people think about a lobbyist of somebody who's kind of skeezy under the table deals with like lots of money telling politicians like the ways that they need to vote, but with a really negative influence. Champagne everywhere. Like, yeah. yeah. And so like the one bad apple makes the rest look terrible, but truly the job is taking information to elected officials, policy decision makers, and trying to convince them to do the thing that you want them to do. And in my case, that's to advance gender justice in this state. So that's not a negative thing in any way, shape or form. It's me trying to go with the best information to say this policy will help people. This policy will hurt people. This one is a mixed bag. We should actually edit in this certain way. We should amend the bill. Um, And so it's about making sure that um, they have the right information because People get confused also between federal and state, like level of infrastructure in politics in general and policy making. Um, Federal government, those folks have a lot of staff here in South Carolina. Most legislators don't have any staff other than one administrative assistant that they share. right? Right. And then when they sit on committees, there's a committee staff that serve the chairperson and subcommittee chairs. But that is really slim pickings on really the health that you need to take on the entire state. Taking like all of the issues. Yeah, right? every issue. You can't be an expert on everything. So if there weren't lobbyists around to help provide information, data, resources, connection to community, how would a legislator figure out how to deal with the volume that's being put in front of them here in South Carolina? It's nearly impossible. And so, yeah, our job is crucial. I definitely love doing this work. It is a lot of work, uh, but it's uh, pretty rewarding. Absolutely. And how long have you been doing this work? Because you've been up at the State House a while now, right? So I've lobbied for 10 years now. So I started January of 2013. That was my first session. So we're in 2023 when this is being recorded. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, 10 years uh, so 24 year old Ashley to 34 year old Ashley been through a lot of life experiences while also in that state house and been through a lot of different versions of what the state house is because yeah. it's not the same state house I started lobbying in. 
So what is it that makes it so different? You know, the lessons, what would you tell 24 year old Ashley versus now with what you've learned being up there for 10 years doing this work that is so necessary? Oh, I don't know that I would tell her to do anything different uh, because I I, uh, needed to jump in personally in just the deep end of the pool and not be afraid Mm -hmm. of what it was. And I think if I would have said what it is now, which is a really hyper-partisan, antagonistic um, place, maybe she wouldn't have been as interested in sticking around. I don't know. Actually, 24-year-old Ashley is the same as me now. Um, uh, A a, um, very wonderful Senate staffer once said that I'm a delusional optimist. And I love that moniker. I want it on like a t-shirt or like a baseball cap. Uh, I am a delusional optimist. I do believe that if you work really hard, if you examine where your nose are and try to work through that problem, you'll get to a solution. It might not be as quick as you want it to be, but you can get through anything. And so that's how I also feel about where the state house is now, that hyper-partisan, it's... um, a lot of topics feel more difficult than they need to be. People will say that they have values and morals and they will speak those things. And then you'll bring a policy to them that says this matches mirrors exactly what you say you value. And it's a, Ooh, I don't know if we can do that. Oh God. You just said that you love children and you want to support mothers and babies. Like why can't we do X, Y, Z? Why is it so hard to get you to the yes? right now. We get people to the yes. That's my job, right? But um, it feels more difficult. And especially around um, the topic of abortion, it has gotten year after year more and more difficult. Because when I first got started, um, we didn't even have the 20-week law that we have right now. Right. So 10 years ago, it was just restrictions on what providers needed to have, what accreditations, what clinics needed to have. So like regulations that put up roadblocks for people. And then it just became more and more and the most like extreme fringe view, which is personhood, has actually come even closer to central in that politic. Um, and it's got a lot of steam. I mean, a yeah. lot. It's, so personhood for anybody who that's just kind of a jargony piece is to ascribe full constitutional rights to a fertilized egg. And that would be before that egg even implants into a uterus could develop into a pregnancy. It has wide sweeping implications. And anytime you give fetal personhood, you actually remove personhood from the person carrying that carrier. Right. Yes. So you are swapping out rights you they, the two cannot exist in one um body and so that is just it just felt so far-fetched 10 years ago and now it's the constant i mean we even saw traction on charging people who have abortions or provide abortions with murder this year it got on a committee agenda that would have never I, and people still say oh it won't ever happen it won't ever happen but mm-hmm. I've been here for 10 years and we didn't even think that you would introduce and put your name on that bill 10 years right. ago. Now you've got a huge list of sponsors and you got on a subcommittee agenda. That's something to be concerned about. You know, it's funny that you just mentioned that because there are so many wonderful things, important things for, you know, women, children, families in South Carolina that just can't get, can't even get on a committee agenda. 
-hmm. yet things that everyone's like, that's never going to happen are the ones that are taking up so much space in our committees and, you know, what, what our legislators are really discussing. Do you think, I mean, you, you've lived this for 10 years, really the, the regression, I would say, of where we are with women's rights and families and things like that. Where do you see us going from here? And how can we, I would say we need to write the track. How can we, how can we do that? Well, so to be steadfast, instead of to assume something is just going to happen, that's how the other side did it, right? They didn't assume that they were going to just get to that place. They chipped away and worked and worked to build out who supported them. And that's how we got to where they are in the dominant culture. So if we want to move that same way, we need to work to bring in communities, to talk with lawmakers, to push, push, push. Not just wait for somebody else to be the leader. Every single one of us is a leader. And we need to stop working as independent, just individuals. That individual mentality is not going to get us to that collective space that we all want to get to. Building out community, working together for a common goal, that will get us out of those places. So if you're sitting back or listening, if you're listening to this or watching this, um, I just want you to know that you should get involved in any way that feels most comfortable to you, but nobody else is going to do it for you. I'm here to do work with the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network, like for me, but I only have so much power in life, right? I only have so much voice. I live in a district here, so I'm only a constituent of one House member, one senator. And so that only goes so far. I need every single person to join in with me and I can keep you abreast and help guide, lead us towards it, but I can't walk the path by myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's such an important message because I think, you know, we, we, well, you know, there are other people who are doing this, you know, I don't know enough about these issues, whether it's, you know, paid family leave, which I definitely want us to talk about in a little bit, um, or abortion or, you know, infant and maternal mortality, any of these things. I I don't know enough about this, so I'm going to let somebody else do it. But there's so much that we can do and learn about and say, hey, Ashley, I'd love to come to a committee meeting or show up and and do that because it helps you in in your messaging and helping to, to craft policies and help help pass policies that are really fruitful and and beneficial for our entire state yeah and it, you it doesn't have to be that intricate policymakers aren't looking for constituents to be the end-all be-all know it like they are mostly just concerned about who's watching them so if you have just even building a relationship i live in your district just wanted to introduce myself um how can i contact you if something comes up just that kind of ping with them, they'll remember it. And then as things arise, you can call and ask them, how are you going to vote on this? Because I don't like the way this is going. You don't have to know anything about the topic, but you can tell them I'm watching you and I don't like, or I do like, right? And then that's going to get their wheels turning. And then those of us who are doing it constant with expertise can push them over the edge in certain directions. So I really just, everybody should start with making that personal connection with their legislator. Um, and watching what they're, what they're doing. The past year, it seems like especially, um, but there has been fierce division and debate 
um, that just seems to to take us out of a place where we're building coalitions and compromise and passing legislation that is good for the people of South Carolina. And instead we just kind of, we're just at complete opposite sides and not willing to, to make concessions in any way. Um, that's gotta be really hard with what you do. Do you find that I mean, I'm just thinking I would want to bang my head against the wall. Like you are just, you're a delusional optimist. Like you oh, said, I love that. But it's just like, how do you get up every and say, you know, I'm going into the mouth of the beast here and trying to get people to see that, you know, extremes either way are not, not where we need to be. How do I, well, so we're not in a play. I do not feel that we're in a place in South Carolina where it's totally foregone. Right. I don't live in this sphere where we're every single conversation. We talk past each other. There are some people that are lost causes, in my opinion, on certain issues. We have gotten to an impasse and there's just going to be a tension point. But I don't let that because gender justice is not just one issue. It is. It touches everything. Yeah. OK. Like it really is all encompassing. So I don't let certain disagreements stop me from trying the next day on all the things that we need to get done. I still try to be an active listener and record what they say, especially with the values, morals, the way they say that they're making decisions, where even if I disagree on how they got there, I grab that. You love to support mothers and babies. Okay. I'm coming to you to give teachers paid parental leave. Okay. It will improve infant health, maternal health, bonding, increase uh, breastfeeding rates. It's just an incredible policy. So I'm not just Ashley who is pro-abortion. I am. And also I am that because I also want to support people in the state. So here's this other policy. Can we do this one together? And not letting that get in my way of conversation and almost trying to lead by example, because it's very easy if you get stuck and you're both being obstinate, you're really not going to rub. So I try to get up every day knowing where my morals and values lie within the policies I'm trying to push and just keep trying to reconnect it for forward progression. And it works because we got that policy passed unanimously for teachers this session. It in the first year of a two-year session. That's a big deal. This session was stale. It was all yeah. that kind of politics, politics. It's all you saw on the news, which was what was at the state house. It was right. infuriating. And also, I would have a conversation about a terrible bill. You, you are trying to do this, and you're saying you're doing it because you want to support children, because you want to support another thing. I have another policy we should be doing. Will you do this with me? Will you show me that you mean it? And actually saying it out loud, because that's the other piece of being who I am as just a person is like, I'm not the worst thing that they're going to say to me is no. OK, that was the same as silence. But this way, I at least shot my shot. You know where you stand. You know where they stand. Exactly. No. So that's how I get up and do it every day is like, you know what? It might be a no on that one, but I'm going to figure out another one they could say yes to. 
And also, if they just are going to be awful, I'm going to tell the world what their vote counts are. And other people who are really good at their jobs can take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get you. We're going to find something. I love that. Um, So let's talk about, I think a lot of people were surprised that there was no paid family leave for state employees. Uh, I guess that was last, was that last session? Uh, And then for, for teachers this session, um, and that was something that, that Ren y'all heavily pushed, which seems like a no brainer, right? Um, there are so many people that are, that are benefiting from this policy or will benefit from this policy. How do you, how do you dream big like that? How do you, you know, do you look at other legislate states, legislatures, do you look at just in general what the data is showing you? How do you come up with the policies that you're like, all right, we're going to push this this year? Oh, gosh, it's a huge combination of all of those things. So I sit on sit and coordinate on state, regional and national level coalitions. So I'm getting a lot of partnership and support and resources from a lot of different locations. Right. So. Like, I can't be an expert on all of the policies. I also only play a lawyer on TV. I have a public health degree, not uh, a law degree. So I rely on lawyers to review our statute to write the pieces to hand to the legislative staff and and, uh, legislators. Um, But fundamentally, to find what Wren needs to do, we do what we call power mapping and also that coalition alliance building, because we don't do direct service, right? We are a policy advocacy organization. We are trying to get people to use their voices and actively make change. I rely on the people who go out in community every day. I rely on community to help define what they want and need, and then marry that with any sort of power mapping of where I have opportunity, expertise as me, and with our staff and with our partnerships on the steps forward. So you have to like layer all those pieces in is like the state could need a policy that maybe I have no partnerships on. I've never had expertise on and never spoken to a legislator on. That's a lot of background work I would need to do before I should, before I should lead on it. Somebody else probably should lead on that and I could support them in that. But here at Wren, I have a public health degree and have been lobbying on sexual and reproductive health for 10 years and have a beautiful coalition that's been around even longer than I've been around and partners who are directly giving feedback on what folks are struggling with in getting services and building out policy in that way. And then like with state employee leave, it was a beautiful moment where we want paid family medical leave for all. That's my end goal. And the United States needs it as a whole, right? It's holding us back as a country, but they're in a stalemate at Congress. So what can we do here in South Carolina to try to get for South Carolinians and then potentially use that to even push Congress to say the South can do it. Y'all can do it because we've done that with other policies, other policy wins that I've had with Ren here in South Carolina actually have caused Congress to move forward and actually pass in this last session. They're policies are going live right now with the pump act, which allows people to express breast milk at work and the pregnancy uh, fairness act, which here in South Carolina, we passed it as the pregnancy accommodations act. So as goes the South, as goes the nation. 
Um, and so for paid family leave, knowing that there is stalemate in Congress, power mapped, where does the legislature feel that they have authority and power? The legislature doesn't typically want to dictate to biz business in this state what to do. So instead of doing like a mandate on the private, I looked at what authority the state had. State has authority over state employees. So that's how we started with those conversations. And because they do have that kind of authoritative piece, they have ownership over it, and you need to take care of your state employees in this way. And so start that conversation and build our way out into a, hopefully an ultimate goal where we can create um, this bigger dream. So right. that's how that started. Yeah. Chipping away at it piece by piece to just continue to expand it. I love that. Um, you know, what other proactive policies, you know, are you are you trying to push? I know that, you know, we, we say that like we're we're wrapping the session is wrapped, but it really it really it feels like the legislature is in session. It feels like all the time um, with I know the work that you all do, um, but we're just kind of wrapping our first year of a two year term. You know, what is on the horizon? What are you looking forward to to getting out there and and getting some support for? Yeah, so I want to do a historical look back because it all builds together because there is a through line like we are building towards things. So we as Wren have led on passing pregnancy accommodations in our first session that we were an organization. So making sure pregnant uh, people, any person who has a pregnancy related condition, including lactation, is able to request that accommodation as long as it's reasonable within the scope. Then we built on that to do Lactation Support Act, passed it, and ensured that all people who want to express breast milk at work have the right to break time. In that same session, also worked in partnership to remove the shackling of pregnant inmates while they are uh, laboring and actually get some more rights for um, people who are incarcerated, um, like access to menstrual products, like if they are pregnant, not being, um, when they're walking, having things that would potentially cause them to trip and fall and harm their pregnancy. Um, and we have passed the state employees paid parental leave. We've also passed the Pharmacy Access Act, which would allow pharmacists to prescribe um, or well, dispense really uh, contraceptives, self-administered contraceptives in their pharmacy. So they can opt in. And then once they do that, they could give somebody a questionnaire and then without having to go to an OBGYN, because we know that there are 14 counties in our state without any OBGYN services. So it's really hard, but you go to a local pharmacy down the street and get that access. And so we've been building and building and building to the moment. So now our slate had including teachers, because once we passed the state employee one, teachers went, why are we not included? What about us? Yeah. You're not state employees, but you know what? You're you're next. Let's do this. Let's do it. You are one of the largest workforces in this state. You're right. The state does support uh, the school districts in providing them with money. They do have an authority in, in this space. Let's get it for you. Got it for them. Then also something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but is in the state budget, is the dependent coverage of contraception for uh, in the PIBA, so the state health plan. Few years ago, the state health plan removed that dependent coverage. There's a policy change that they made. It wasn't some legislative piece. And we had worked to put a budget proviso in that dictated to them, no, you need to make sure that dependents are covered in the same manner. And the governor vetoed the line item. 
So we had to build our way back into that. And this budget cycle, um, Representative Leon Stavronakis was able to include that. But we've been and so it's in the final budget. So as long as the governor doesn't veto this budget, dependents will get that coverage. And also, as we're even discussing abortion access at the state house, we've said it so many times that the abortion law that just passed even had that provision in it to make it permanent because we keep the drumbeat of you cannot say that you want to uh, ban abortion, but not give people access to the things that would prevent pregnancy like contraception. We've been saying it so often we've been coupling and not siloing the conversation enough that they included that piece in there. It's permanently blocked with the injunction right now. So depending on how the Supreme court rules, we might need to make that proviso that we did get people look at that coverage, a permanent change. So that's that look forward, right? So hopefully the Supreme court blocks that ban. And so if that stays, we'll see soon, right? What uh, we can have, we can have the hearing there for uh, the end of June, for those that may not be listening to this at the same time, uh, the end of June. So So that is a piece. So just continuing to make sure that people have access to resources. In that same vein, we are trying to remove um, taxes from essential products. So we're advocating for taxes to be removed from not only tampons, but from diapers. And Neil Collins, um, even forward thinking, was um, like, why not toilet paper, too? That's an essential item that all people need for hygiene. I was like, okay, great, put it in the bill. And Senator Katrina Shealy, um, which you've had as a guest, and I do recommend that everybody listen to that podcast as well. So if you're just listening to this one, go back in time because Senator Shealy's podcast is incredible. Um, but she also you, said, <laughs> yeah, in, well, so in our research on the diapers and the tampon tax, she discovered that baby food is also taxed right now in formula because it's considered wow. a prepared food, but it's just an essential item. If somebody like baby, baby need to eat, you can't say that you want all these babies to be born with all these abortion bans and then not feed the kids, right? So Senator Shealy has uh, a bill for that as well. So we'll continue to advocate for getting people the resources they need and marrying those values that you hear potentially in those harder conversations with policies that actually will achieve a shared value that we all have. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm I'm feeling super inspired right now. We're gonna take a quick break, but we will be back with Ashley Lito from Ren in just a second. Well, we are back with Ashley Lito from the Women's Rights Empowerment Network. She's got us all fired up and ready to go at the South Carolina State House. Um, so just thinking about all of these things that that Ren has helped lead on and the coalitions that you've built and kind of where we're, we're headed. You know, we hear a lot of buzzwords like parental choice. Parental choice can mean a lot of different things, though. And for me, kind of on the outside looking in, it feels like there's a an air of hypocrisy with some of the, the, the buzzwords that we hear. You know, how do you. How do you deal with that? How do you work within that? How do you address that? Because that's got to be 
difficult? Well, it's intentional, right? It's intentional language. And as somebody who has worked on abortion rights in a, for a decade, um, it's kind of the same playbook. You pick something that feels inflammatory, like we could, like everybody could get behind. And then folks are just seeing a headline, a click, a something, getting upset about it, but not knowing deeper down. So it's our job to unpack what parental choice is and what it can mean, um, the nuance there, what it means for you. Because I am a parent. I have a toddler, she's three and a half. And I do believe that I have some authority over what needs to happen in her life because I have a responsibility to ensure that she is happy and healthy and thriving, right? I should have a layer of parental choice. I also want ultimately for that child, my child, to be happy, healthy, and thriving. And so if any of the choices I'm making as a parent are harming them, so if there is abuse in the home, somebody else should step in. So there's nuance. I don't believe in a zero or a hundred scale of that. And so it's really about unpacking a buzzword that we all get behind to what truly the deeper value is because we hear parental choice in what all school children should be have access to in the library, in their curriculum. And yet we remove parental choice when it comes to gender affirming care or even abortion access, right? Like, and even that is squishy because does a parent have an authority to dictate what the future of that pregnant underaged person does because that choice will impact them forever if they block them. Right. Right. So it's, it's a tension point of unpacking what it means. And ultimately for me and what we're trying to achieve is, is the person who's going to be most impacted going to be okay after this. Right. So if, if parental choice means that, all school children do not have access to information. All school children are the ones impacted and you're actually removing something beneficial from them when you as a parent could opt your child out or have more difficult conversations at home and really examine what you're thinking in that kind of censorship moment, right? right. Like you do have parental choice in taking your child out of the public school system and going to a private school, just unpacking those layers and not trying to blanket ascribe things to other folks. And ultimately the do no harm to others should apply. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's 25 years ago and I'm significantly older than you, Ashley. So, um, but 25 years ago, you know, the 24 hour news cycle was kind of a, a new thing. You know, it was, it was, you know, when I was a kid, we watched like the six o'clock news and then like six 30 was like NBC nightly news. And you know, it, that was, that was basically it. But, you know, we, we've come to this point where we're, we're constantly inundated with information, but it, is it really, it's just enough information to really piss people off. Right. Or to think, well, that sounds terrible. But I think you're absolutely right. Unpacking, unpacking what we're hearing, you know, we hear a 30 second sound bite and everyone's outraged, but it's like, 
there's so much beyond that. And I know that that's a lot of, I'm grateful that that's a lot of what you do is like, everybody cool your jets. Like this is what this really, really means. Yeah, I think there's a, a moment where the news can be helpful to get you information that you're not getting exposed to as you're living your daily life. And it, you can also get into a trap of a negative spiral, which is that I believe it, it, the addiction to scrolling on your cell phone or like a, a Twitter spiral versus like the Fox News on the TV or CNN. I mean, it's really this same, like that constant, like you are doing this. You're not physically in community with anyone. Right. You're not talking it out. You're not working through what it means to work together. And that's what I'm hoping to keep pushing for in my life is to, if something's bothering me, trying to keep digging down to like, why is this like asking that second question of like, oh, I don't feel good. Why? What does that mean? Why am I sitting with that? Who do I care about? Let's talk about it with them too. And then am I really getting all the information I need to make a good judgment and then building my way out? So I do think that there's a little bit of um, obligation from all of us to, to dig a little deeper, to not just be hairpin trigger sitting in our own silos um, and doing that work. Um, so that's just my comment on a, that spiraling is I think the more we get in community, the more fulfilled we all are. That's how I feel. I feel more fulfilled when I'm around other people having real conversations, tough conversations too, but I get to a place where it's not a screaming match, like really working through it and being just like sitting in discomfort and then coming back to like why I care about it. You build deeper relationships. You find the ways that you potentially want to still be connected to each other and remove yourself from the divisiveness. Um, but we do know that fear and division make money. They're doing it on purpose. They're keeping you addicted to that conversation. And I think it's so important because when we have those conversations, when we engage with our community, when we engage with people who may not and do not think the way that we do, and we have those tough conversations instead of avoiding them, I think we find that we're a lot more alike than we are different. And that's really, for me, the crux of you know, the work that, that you and so many other folks are doing up at the State House for all of us is finding those areas where we can agree the 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 morals and values that we all share um because we keep hearing you know we we aren't there we we we're all so, we're so far apart but i'm an optimist like you in that regard that it's like no we're not like we all want our neighbors to be happy and healthy our families our friends and you know we we want our community, our state, our nation to, to thrive in the best way possible. And uh, I, I try to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a doomsday scroller, you know, the doomsday scrolling on like, you know, the internet is like a lot of other people. Um, but it, it's refreshing to hear someone like you talking about that and saying, hey, you know, we, we're going to be okay, guys. We just got to talk it out. We got to do those hard things. It's not easy, but we can do it. Yeah, we just got to work. If you if you really want to get out of it, the delusional optimist in me, if I, I can only speak for myself and I can only do work right that I can do. So the way that I keep going is if I don't like something, I'm going to have to fix it. 
And if you have hit a wall with conversations with some people, sometimes fixing it means making sure that you're not in association with that and working to a new path. It's not icing out everything to be this rose shaped glasses kind of piece, but there are going to be moments where some of the people in our community, we're never going to get there with them. Right. But that's going to be okay too. So if you had one message to, to everyone, to the world, to South Carolina, um, about the importance of being involved, the importance of, you know, the podcast is called Stepping Toward Justice. Obviously, I look at that from a lot of different perspectives, not just a courtroom or um, with, with victims. Justice can mean many things. What does that mean to you? And and what do you encourage people to do with that or do to achieve that? I think every person needs to figure out the world that they want to live in, the type of joy that they want to experience to radically think about what happy place they want to be. Not a, not a place that is just like this utopia that can't be achieved, but truly like, what does it mean for you to be happy in your life? And then, how are you going to get there with other folks? I think most people will see that if you are constantly just striving towards something, it's better than fighting against. So I fight against bad policies that could harm us because it actually means I'm stepping towards that life where I have a thriving family. I wake up every day in the shelter that is my home that keeps me comforted um, away from any sort of elements. I have access to clean food and water. I'm able to spend like quality time with the people that I love. If they become sick, I'm not worried about money versus taking care of them. Like that, that feeling that you want to have that comfort in your life and then just taking the steps it's going to take to get to that place together. So that's like stepping towards justice. Stepping towards gender justice to me is really actually taking active steps as little, because we all can take different steps in different ways, right? And some of it to not uh, make sure that I'm not ableist and some of it doesn't even look like stepping, right? It's just moving progress forward for yourself and your um, communities. So we've talked about a few heavy topics. How do you, how do you chill out? How do you relax? How do you like take, take the white hat off at the end of the day? <laughs> um, I'm not good at it. So that way, if anybody who knows me is watching this, they can't call me up on the phone and say, you weren't honest on uh, stepping towards justice. I'm not good at it. But I am asking the first step, though, in like acknowledging like I'm not good at I have a problem. Yes. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yes, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. So listening, listening to music, um, it as much as uh, it sounds corny, my my toddler, my family, my I have a really wonderful spouse. His name is Edward and my daughter, Vera. They're really just cool people to hang out with. So trying to take my own advice when I say don't doom scroll, like hiding my phone and going and just experiencing them. And the way that she's learning the world is really 
beautiful, taking time to just listen to other folks. I have really great friends. Um, behind the curtain, one of my best friends is your brother, Philip Ford, and he's a joy in this world. So sometimes when I'm feeling dark, I just call and you know what? Force him to talk about Bravo with me because I love a Bravo TV show. Um, so Vanderpump, have you yeah, been watching? So, yeah, so I watch Vanderpump Rules and Below Deck and um, I make sure that I ask my friends to send me as many TikToks about Scandaval as possible because it sometimes just helps me take out of that mental space. I do something that feels a little just off color. It feels a little light because it's not my not my life. No, no judgments. I do like watching it. I hope all folks are happy and healthy at the end of that. But yeah, it's I not our it. drama. It's not our drama. I mean, right. you know, common result. Like mental break from whatever I'm doing, and then I feel like I can move into a space of recharging. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I can't. You know, sometimes people say, you know. People are obsessed with like, you know, the law and orders, the NCI, all of those things. And I'm like, I can't deal with, like, I deal with stuff like that all day, every day. I need to totally disengage and I need to talk about, you know, obviously I just stayed up till like one o'clock last night watching the secrets of whatever the secrets revealed on Bravo with Vanderpump Rules, a uh, huge fan of Vanderpump. Um, but you just have to do whatever it is that makes you, you know, shift back to neutral is what I call it. You know, like sometimes we get in high gear and it's like, okay, let's, let's shift back. And, uh, Hey, I'm a huge fan of Bravo and, uh, TikToks and, you know, Phil, you know, acting crazy and sending all sorts of, uh, crazy videos, FaceTiming, all of that. Um, what, you know, we talked about, you know, your family, beautiful daughter, husband, mm -hmm. Um, and I know that you enjoy uh, the beach and just being in nature, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? Still doing this work? Still? I mean, what will the world look like in five and 10 years? My aspirations is to make sure that I'm always providing value to the community that I live in while also being happy. I have to be happy. My family has to be happy. Um, I would love to run for political office one day if it is what's going to be right for the community that I live in. I do believe that I have a skill set that could be needed in decision-making rooms. The temperament that I've gained from being a lobbyist and understanding how everything is made and um, my commitment to ensuring that I act actively listening to those who are directly impacted. Um, I don't know if that's five, 10 years, right? Because the other part of that is always, am I happy? And I'm not going to be happy if my family is not happy, if my daughter's not happy, if my husband isn't uh, fulfilled or happy. So weighing any of those pieces out. So five to 10 years, the, the consistent thing you'll know from me is I'm actively trying to be happy in my personal life and provide value in my professional life. Well, you got my vote. So no. <laughs> maybe I'll call you with a, a, a donation link one day. I, Hey, nonprofit lawyer, but happy to help with what I can do. Ashley, you are uh, an inspiration to me and to anyone that's going to listen to this, just the work that you do, the outlook that you have on life and 
changing our world to make it a better place here in South Carolina and beyond. Thank you so much for being on, for sharing some of your work and, and your vision. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, Sarah. It was an honor.